Welcome to Aim Higher, a show designed to help us realize the leadership potential inside of all of us. I'm Skip Pritchard, CEO, author, blogger, student of success, and your host. Thank you for joining Aim Higher, and today we have a very special guest, personal friend, CEO of Weaving Influence, entrepreneur, somebody that I followed and have been friends with for a number of years. We cover many of the authors that she has represented in her firm, and so we are very excited to welcome Becky Robinson to Aim Higher. Welcome, Becky. Hi, Skip. It is so great to be with you. Well, we're glad to have you, and I imagine, I know you're quite a runner, so I don't know, you probably have been out running 20 miles this morning before breakfast. I know how you are. Have you been out running around? You know, not today. I made the choice this morning to do some household domestic chores, which, you know, we're real people. We have those to do, too, and I was not able to get out to run yet. Well, my guess is you will be soon, because you are somebody who is always running, whether that is physically running or really running fast in terms of a business. I've watched your business grow in the last 10 years. All along the way, as we have covered many of the authors that you have, I think most uh, that you have covered as well throughout all of those years. So you launched Weaving Influence, I think in 2012, if I'm guessing, I think this is the 10th year. That and is you, correct. Is that right? Okay. So you transitioned, you were a stay-at-home mom for 10 years. Then you went into marketing. You found yourself launching a book and it seemed to, to light you up. Take us a little bit on your journey and highlight some of the lessons that you've learned along the way. So Skip, I was really thrilled to be able to have the time at home with my children when they were small. And one day my husband said to me, okay, Becky, when all the kids are in school, what are you going to do for work? And at the time I laughed at him. He was just beginning his career as an FBI agent. He was gone from our house 12 hours a day. I had three little girls. I was homeschooling them. And, you know, I just, I couldn't really figure out what kind of career I might want to have. Um, and the only thing I could really come up with at the time, Skip, was that I loved writing. And so I started to go in the direction of that and got some opportunities to do some freelance writing. I wrote a leadership blog, which likely is how you and I connected. And, you know, the thing about marketing books, I feel like the connection really came in because I've always been an avid reader. I've always loved books and authors. You know, when you read a book and you wonder about the person who wrote it. And so getting the chance to start to work with authors and see the behind the scenes and see um, what it takes to write and publish and market a book was just so incredibly exciting to me at that time as I began this company in this career. Well, I love the power of books. Tell me a little bit more about the power of books. How have you seen books change the author? And how is it changing you to have finally written your own book? Yeah, I'd love to share that. So. You know, one of the things that I've experienced as I've been partnering with authors is seeing them live into the possibilities for their own thought leadership and the difference that they can make in the world through their ideas. So, Skip, you might remember that one of the very first authors I served was Whitney Johnson, and she actually wrote the foreword to my book. We launched her first book 
Dare Dream Do in 2012. And it was kind of like a magical moment. Even the whole idea behind the book of like, you know, dare to say what you want to do, you know, dare to dream about what's possible. And so for me, that was so formative at the beginning of my journey of really just thinking about, you know, could I expand the possibilities of how I could make a difference in the world? And really, that's what any author does, especially in the nonfiction space. When you start to put your ideas into writing, the hope is that your ideas will scale farther and wider, you know, potentially around the world as the book goes into translation. It's a huge commitment. When authors choose to put their words into a book, it really is a statement of here I am with something of value to offer you, and I want to help and reach as many people as I can with my work. And so having journeyed with authors, I've seen how deeply they desire to make an impact with their ideas. And, you know, all along the way, I wanted that for myself as well, Skip. So I talk in my book about the fact that I, you know, have wanted to write a book since the very beginning. What I've learned is it really did take the time to refine my ideas, to get more experiences, to learn more before I was ready to create a book of value to others. Wait a minute, Becky. Writing a book is not just about money and fame. It's about impact. I I love that in your book that you cover impact and the other reasons why people really write these books. Well, Skip, you know, you've written and published a book. The book is not what makes you money ever. And if anyone does go into it with that, they're going to be sorely disappointed. So it's always a red flag for me, Skip, if I talk to an author and when I ask them, hey, what's the job you want this book to do for you and your career? And they say, I want to make money. Like, especially if you're traditionally publishing the money that you're going to make from the book, you know, unless you're a breakout success and sell 50,000 or 100,000 or 200,000 copies, You're just not going to see money from writing a book. So you have to have a different motivation. And I honestly think that if you show up without that expectation or need to derive revenue for the book, that you likely will reach more people and have a bigger impact with your ideas. It's so true. And I've seen the same thing, Becky. I've seen people who've told me, I have no retirement saved up, but I'm about to retire from my job and it's okay because I have this amazing manuscript and it makes me really very nervous. It is not, that was one conversation I had in my former life that really made me nervous to hear. But everybody has a different reason for writing. And I think that why is critical to not only your expectations, but your success as well. How do you feel, and and you've seen so many authors, Whitney being your first and tremendous books and, and a new book too now, Talk a little bit about how writing can influence a brand. Well, sure. I'd be happy to, Skip. So, you know, in terms of building a brand, if you want to be memorable, the most important thing is to identify the value that you have to offer. So what is unique about you? You know, what is that point of view that you can bring to the world that no one else can? And it's really only by showing up consistently over time with a point of view about a particular topic that you can become memorable to others with your ideas. And I think what often happens is people get it backwards, right? So, Skip, you're talking about this friend of yours who retired who said, I don't have savings, but I have this manuscript. Well, likely if he or she showed up in this space, tried to bring a book to the world, but hadn't been online sharing ideas or value in any way, there's no audience created that will receive that book. So creating and sharing content of value over time is really the only way to identify, connect with, and build an audience for your work. 
Another big misconception people have is that the publisher is going to sell all the books for you. And it has flipped. You know, the publisher's most interested in your platform, in your reach. And so authors today, Becky, have so many channels, so many opportunities. If you're an optimist, you say, wow, I can have so many opportunities to share my book and my work and connect with people, build real relationships online through social media, whether I like Instagram or TikTok or my own blog or whatever. Or the pessimist would say, there's just no possible way I can do all of this and connect with these people. I'm busy doing my life. And so I see people see it in two different ways, but the publishing community sees it very differently. And oftentimes, by the time the author has written that manuscript, they haven't thought through all of this. What I like about your book early on is you talk about the four reach commitments. And I really like that perspective. Would you talk a little bit about this value, consistency, generosity, and longevity? Sure. So I started to mention that when talking about the power of an author's brand through sharing valuable content. So if you want to make a bigger difference in the world with your ideas, and if you want to reach an expanding audience, what I've identified are these four commitments that are critical to helping you create that reach that you want. And again, reach is not only about a bigger audience, it's also about that lasting impact and influence for your ideas. So you really have to start with value. You have to have something to offer to others that's interesting, educational, inspiring, you know, it could be entertaining if you're a fiction author where, you know, you have a story to tell. But value is really at the core of what you come into online spaces and offline spaces with. And then the second thing with that is that you have to show up consistently. So how many of us have seen a blogger arrive on the scenes? They might write two or three posts and disappear or a podcaster might, you know, create a handful of episodes and then disappear. That will not help you grow an audience or have impact. And that's kind of where longevity comes in, because not only do you have to show up consistently, you also have to do it over time. And when I think about those even famous business book authors who have had the most impact and who have grown the largest audiences, it's not someone who writes one book. You know, it's someone whose body of work over a lifetime contributes value to the market. So if you think about Brene Brown, we all think that Brene Brown got famous when she did that TEDx talk that went viral in the early 2010s. The truth is that Brene Brown was creating and sharing content and doing research and working with people and giving value for a decade or more before that time. And now a decade after that viral TED Talk, of course, her audience is larger, her impact is greater. And so that's where you can really see that consistency and longevity come into play. Now, the unexpected factor that people may not recognize right away, or it might seem counterintuitive, is this idea of generosity. And, you know, you and I were talking about this idea that, you know, some people mistakenly think they're going to make a lot of money from writing a book. You know, what I have seen is the more you are able to give away the value that you have for free, the more you will draw people to you and the easier it is to create those connections and become memorable in the market. So I'm not saying that you have to write a book and give away every single copy, but what I'm talking about really is freely sharing your ideas, freely sharing your support, freely sharing your kindness, your time in a way that connects you to people authentically. I love those four. And when we think about longevity, when you're talking, I was thinking about, you know, Brene Brown and those 10 years. It's the private victories that really make the long term possible. Private victories always precede public victories. Private work always precedes 
public work. We often only see the public side. We miss all of that private work that has gone on, that discipline, day after day. But the surprising one, as you noticed to me, was generosity. And I love that one because I have seen, having known so many incredible successful people, authors, politicians, business leaders, sports heroes, who the truly most successful ones are so generous. And it may be business people, it may be giving away content, or maybe more tangible things. You know, I think about James Patterson, whose fiction works come out every other day, I think. You go to a bookstore, there's always a new James Patterson novel. But his giving back to the community of bookstore owners is unprecedented. So, so many people just find ways to give back. That generosity, really what you give comes back to you. And I love that you reflect that in here because that is not what most people would expect. It's not just giving to get. It's just giving. It's just having a spirit of giving and just being grateful. So I love that. If you go back in your book before those four, though, you cover something else that I I really love the way you put it, because so many people miss this as well. And I'll tell a little story. You talk about these levels of influence, and you have the distinction between beginners, masters of branding, traditional thought leaders, and true reach experts. And what I love about this concept, you know, early on with blogging, early online presence, early talking to authors, I would be meeting with people and I realized I was in this very strange world. This is going back now, dating me. You go back to before the launch of your company where I would meet somebody and I would say, you know, you're famous online, like famous, but nobody knows you in the real world. And back then, there was a distinction. And then I would meet with somebody who was really famous in the real world, but was not famous online. Today, that's all blended together in a different way, I would say. But you have a distinct way of kind of talking about these levels of influence. I'd wonder if you would just comment on that. Sure, I'd be happy to, Skip. So one of my early book ideas was actually centered around this idea, and I called it influence congruence. And the idea is that you want to show up online in the same powerful ways that you show up in real life. And so across the decade of my company, what we've done is we've often worked with people who have achieved at high levels in corporate, government, academia, but they haven't spent the same amount of time and energy to invest in building an online presence to share their ideas in online spaces. And so often when I talk to folks, what I say is the way that you can create the biggest possible audience and the biggest and deepest possibility for impact is to make sure that your offline life is accurately and consistently represented in online spaces. Because the truth is we can reach and influence far more people in online spaces than we could in our real world lives. You know, the internet literally touches every place on the globe, whereas a person would be limited to the time and spaces in which they're present with people. And so what I really hope that people will catch a vision from as they read the book is, as it relates to these levels of influence, really looking at, well, where am I and in what way can I improve the way I show up. You know, you may need to improve your real world contribution. You may need to deepen your knowledge of your key subject areas, or it may just be that you've been blowing people away with the work that you do in real life spaces, and you need to find a way to share those ideas in online spaces to reach more people. It is a very important distinction. I also think the way you frame it gives the reader an opportunity to observe themselves in a way to say, where do I fit on this continuum in these quadrants? 
because they may not be conscious of that. They may think in one dimension when, in fact, you're kind of commenting on multiple dimensions that give them a different opportunity to reflect on their own work. I think it's hard for many people who are writers and launching a book or a cause or a message to, you know, step back and observe themselves. I find it easier to observe somebody else's brand, somebody else's message than my own, which I find very, very difficult. Do you find that to be the case as well? Well, I think because I wrote the book on this, Skip, I have spent a fair amount of time thinking about my own journey. And even in the book, I talk about the fact that when I started back in 2009, before I created my company, I really was what you would call a beginning beginner. You know, because I had stepped out of the workplace, I didn't necessarily have any strong point of view to add online, nor did I have anything where someone would look at my personal life and say, oh, you know, that woman is making a big difference. Let's look at you for a minute, Skip. I mean, I feel like you completely exude this true expert status because you have this offline life as a CEO of a company, a large company. And so everyone in your real world spaces in Columbus, Ohio and beyond, they know about Skip Pritchard and they know about the difference that you're making through your work. But not only that, Skip, if we go online and we Google your name, you have this track record of creating and sharing value with others. And so really who you are in online spaces matches the strength and power of your offline influence. Like nobody needs to tell me that Skip Pritchard is a powerful guy. It's obvious offline and it's obvious online. And that's really what anyone who wants to create the biggest possible audience or biggest and deepest lasting impact for their work really needs to do. They need to make sure that there's that match between who they are online and offline. And if they can have that self-reflection and look at themselves and say, oh, wow, you know, I have a lot of growing to do that's okay. You know, we we all show up at different stages. Uh, The important thing is to make that commitment to focus consistent effort over a long period of time, because then we can get to that place where we're positioned to have the biggest impact. So well said. And Becky, I think the important factor for me in talking to people is if your goal is to build a brand and sort of a persona, That's very different than what my goal ever was. It should just be a reflection of who you are. And then it's much more natural and authentic because you're not building this fake persona out there. You're just who you are. And I think that comes through very clearly in this book of yours, Reach. And it makes your reach much more authentic. I also love your own journey because you thought one thing at the beginning. You're like, well, I've started a church and I've done this and I've led this and that. And you were a beginner, but you didn't think that. And what I love about that is your thoughts were also preceding your journey. You saw yourself, even though now you realize you were a beginner, you saw yourself almost at the finish line. You saw the potential in yourself in a way that I think brings it to you. And so I just encourage people to have that same confidence because you had a boldness when you started your firm. It wasn't this track record at the very beginning of authors and promoting books, It was just a skill, an authenticity, a kindness that deeply pervaded who you were. So the sheer force of your positive personality and relationship building skills influenced Weaving Influence to become what it did. Then you attracted that success. Jim Rohn always says success is because of who you become, not because of the things that you attract into your life. So I I think it's really very interesting and powerful to watch 
your own journey. I just want to talk a little bit and then end on this note about trees. Now, people are listening saying, trees? What on earth does this have to do with anything? But I think you know exactly where I'm going. I hope you do, because you wrote the book. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Tell me about your experience with these trees and what it has taught you. I would be happy to skip. This is one of my favorite stories that I include in the book. So in 2016, my husband and I moved from a subdivision out to what we call the country. We have five acres of land at our new home that we bought in 2016. And what I immediately noticed when we came into the house, the people who lived here before had this aerial photo of the property. It was actually a book of when they were building the house. And what I noticed is that when they were building the house, it was in the middle of an empty field. And you could see clear to the busy road. That's about a quarter of a mile from my house. So I was really curious. You know, 20, 25 years had passed. The property that I live on now is surrounded by trees. It's the most peaceful place you can imagine. When you drive down the driveway, it is covered with trees depending upon what time of year it is. And so it really is this beautiful and peaceful retreat. The trees are one of the most striking qualities of the property. And so I was really interested to talk to the owners. And what I found out is that that was the goal that they had in mind. They wanted to create a peaceful retreat for their family. They thought they would keep this property in their family for generations. And so what they decided to do is to buy 500 trees. I later, you know, talked to one of the sons. He said, well, it was probably more like 800 trees. It was maybe a thousand trees. And they had to buy tiny little saplings skip because they didn't have a ton of money after building their dream home. And so they painstakingly over years planted trees, replanted trees, cultivated the trees because they had a vision of the peaceful property that they wanted to create. And it's because of that vision that they had to make a difference in the land that they owned that I get to enjoy the property that I enjoy today. And so for those who are listening, it can seem daunting to build an online presence to influence others. And what you need to hold in mind is that vision of a future that you may never see or enjoy, that by showing up with value in online spaces, you can create the possibility for others to enjoy and learn and grow. And so I challenge people who read the book to be one of those kind of people who will, you know, figuratively plant 500 trees and wait for them to grow in the world. Wonderful, wonderful story. And so to close out this episode of Aim Higher, I'm going to just read The final two paragraphs before the discussion guide in this book, Reach, create the biggest possible audience for your message, book, or cause. Becky writes, when you choose to create and share value online, you can never be sure what the outcomes of that choice will be. You won't know whether you will see the benefits in your lifetime. However, you plant with faith that you have value to add. You do this not to become famous or create financial wealth but because you want to make a difference in the world and create a legacy for future generations. That is the lesson of the trees, but that is the lesson of true reach, of true impact. And so if you take those lessons of the trees, you certainly can have a greater reach, have a bigger audience for your message, book, or cause, and it will help all of you to aim higher. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Skip. Thanks for listening to Aim Higher with Skip Pritchard. Check out skippritchard.com for more episodes, interviews, book reviews, and leadership insights. Until next time, remember, don't settle for the mediocre, always aim higher.